Welcome to The Truth in His Heart. I'm your host, Rob Lee. And today, I have the privilege of being in conversation with a Washington, D.C.-based architect and the director of Justice, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion at HKS, an international design firm of more than 1,400 architects, interior designers, urban designers, scientists, artists, anthropologists, and more. Please welcome Giselle Santos-Rivera. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you very much, Rob. That was quite an intro. I loved it. Happy to be here. <laughs> Happy to have you here. I actually really worked on that. I good, good, a little sweaty. Uh, so, thank you for for joining the podcast. And I want to start off a little bit about um, talking about your background, and you know, tell me about really how you got where you're at now. And you know, I have the architect background, and I have the the Jedi background. I know that's an acronym. So, so tell me about that. <laughs> Well, I think I I always, every time somebody asks me that question, I always think, do I start from birth, which is the reason uh, for many, one of the many reasons why I'm very passionate about this work. Uh, do I start with architecture? So I'll try to blend it as much as possible and, and also not take over an hour's worth of your time because nobody needs that. But I think for me, the reason I am where I am today, it is a combination of me growing up in Puerto Rico, my background, my family, um, understanding the world through that lens, academia, um, schooling, the things that I, I was passionate about in school, like genetics and building people. And I was actually very passionate about theology and psychology and science and genetics, and then transitioned into the workplace and transitioned into understanding what it meant to go to school to then become a professional and understanding the spaces that I was going to be working in. And I I started working in a lab because I thought I was going to become a geneticist. My family always thought that I was going to become an architect because I loved destroying the house. <laughs> I loved putting curtains and cushions and making cities and villages for my brother, who is a mechanical engineer and actually works for... Um, for a very, a, a very big companies doing things that have to do with airplanes and spacesuits. So we've always existed in the space of the beyond, like how, how can we do all of these things bigger and bolder and help other people? But I was doing artwork. I was doing installations, actually a lot about voyeurism and spaces and access. And it was my geology professor while I was doing genetics that said, I think you should consider architecture. And I listened to him, of course, because I was passionate about those two things, but it wasn't until I started working in a lab and realized I really did not enjoy working in a lab. In Puerto Rico, the labs were designed not by people that understood our climate. So most of the spaces where we were in those labs were devoid of contact to the outside world. There were no windows. Oh. They were all enclosed. There was white painted block. The doors were closed. Even the leaves or, or the side lights were covered with paper because the researchers were covering the things that they're doing, of course. So I felt really disconnected. Yeah. And that's why I engaged further in art. I ended up in architecture in Puerto Rico, and I developed a passion for community engagement and how we saw architecture as a way to build community, as a mm -hmm. way to encourage people to, to build the world, see the world with the things that they have around them. And feeling the agency that as an architect, I could provide and create the backdrop, not, not in the sense of stepping back, but in the scenery of where we all live, we create community, we build relationships, felt so empowering in a way 
that I could support how people um, really show their culture, like creating yeah. space more now than ever with COVID. <laughs> we know how do we meet other people? We meet at a cafe or a pub or we go to a restaurant. Those spaces are part of how we build community and relationships. And I love that. And when I went to the U.S. to do my graduate degree, I started really honing on on, te on tectonics, on what it meant to build those those things, those spaces, those buildings. And that transitioned me into understanding myself within yeah. the space of architecture. And of course, as I, I said, I, I love theology. I, I grew up in Puerto Rico. Then I went to Syracuse, which is very, very different. I moved to D.C., where I started to notice things about my identity and how that related to the workplace. And that idea of what it means to show up in the workplace as a woman, a lesbian, Latina, with English as a second language, started showing up in different places. So I couldn't access what that meant for me in the workplace because I was doing architecture. But I could do that in association. So I started building committees and I started engaging in ways to elevate the culture of Latin American communities yeah. in how I could service them, building spaces for women to inspire emerging professionals. And I think the blending of those two things, my interest in building community, my interest in in how those spaces supported building community uh, started cre giving me some visibility and creating greater space for me. And that's when I got asked to become the director of justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. And for me, it's a dream come true to be able to do both yeah. where I can do architecture and help people through architecture, especially health and healthcare, which is the thing that I, that I really enjoy to do, how, how we can, through the built environment, help people heal and thrive, but also do it in the workplace. How do I get people to come to the workplace and feel like they belong, that like they can thrive, that whatever work they are doing really makes an impact to the rest of the world, even if they don't see them or touch them? Whatever we do is part of people's experience as they live through their life. So I, I do this not only because of how I show up, how I want to show up, how I feel like I have not been able to show up, but how I would hope to create those spaces for other people that they can show up however they want to show up and do whatever it is that they are passionate about in a meaningful way. I, I'm, I'm sitting here with dimples and cheekbones and thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I, I really appreciate that. And, um, Sounds like you said it before. <laughs> no, but yeah, I, I think that that's, that's great. And it, it's a one, it kind of eliminated two other questions that I have. So thank you for that. And two, uh, I want to ask this question because um, I, I think it's now a very apt time to ask it. Um, this is going to sound so corny where I ask this. Why is it so important to celebrate and, and see race and differences in the workspace? <laughs> I was actually having that conversation earlier today. Um, the way that I answered that question, and I think the way that I would typically answer that question is, it is important to recognize who people are, the things that make them tick, the thing that make them thrive and feel good. And a lot of those things have to do with their identity and how they grew up and they're culturally related. Yeah. So for me, it's important to recognize race. It's important to see color because those things affect how we view the world and how we see the world. Like for me, I I love 
like things that I do on a regular basis. When I'm designing, when I'm doing things, I like to play certain type of music. The certain type of music, of course, <laughs> is related to things that remind me of home, things yeah. that make me feel comforted, things that make me feel like in a space, a very tranquil, where I can really get the things that I want to get done quickly. And that probably means salsa, merengue, somebody singing in Spanish, a little reggaeton, and a little bat bunny. And even though it sounds so trivial, those things put me in a space where I feel most myself. Yeah. And when I feel like when I'm most myself, I give mo the best of me. And that also has to do with my language, of course, being able to be understood, even with my accent, or I try really hard not to have one. But when we recognize race, when we recognize ethnicity, when we recognize um, sexual orientation, gender identity, we're validating, and I hate to use that word, but we are reinforcing, we are affirming what that person brings to the table as an asset. Mm -hmm. Part yeah. of all of that, all of their collective of their identity, all of their intersectionality shows up through their work and through what they do. So in order to recognize and make somebody thrive, you have to recognize every part of them. And they will give you the best of you. I hope I answered that. No, you did. And I, I think it's, in, in, to append to it, it's having an understanding of what's under the hood, having in consideration for what experiences are maybe banked, baked into the thinking of a particular thing. And, you know, that's often left out. And I'll, I'll give you, <laughs> I'll share one example with you of, you know, the music in the office, whatever, whatever the thing that makes that environment comfortable, because I find in being in higher ed and that's where I've worked at for like the last 10 years in different institutions. So I can you know, kind of speak on a, just a skosh. And I, I find that some people are, are put into a position where their comfort matters more than other folks. And I remember in the morning, uh, I remember because I was being a troll. I remember in the morning, uh, you know, it was just one person who was a very you know, evangelical sort of individual and he were playing gospel music super loud. Now, granted, this was a, you know, it was a Jesuit school, but it wasn't a Baptist school, you know, or whatever it was. I was blasting Slayer Raining Blood because I thought it was hilarious. And I was like, oh, I thought we're just playing music, right? And that's what we're doing, right? And it was just like, oh, so this person's comfort or this person's maybe the thing that gets them going to do what their work is, is more important than mine's. And I generally don't care about it. But when someone is telling me that this is something that we care about, these are the rules that we're playing, then who's more important? I was like, that's that's where we're at right now. And, you know, it's I but I like to get under the hood and understand the thinking that goes into it, because I find that especially like like this is an arts and culture podcast and there's, you know, some outliers, but really arts and culture and design is a part of that. Obviously architecture, there is some art that goes with that. And I, I think that people want to take some of those elements out. It's like, yeah, can I have what you can produce, but not you as the person in it? And that's an issue. So I want to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to move ahead and then I'm going to go back, but I want to ask this because I thought it's, it's real. I like the way I wrote, worded it. If I could pat myself on the back. Um, it appears whenever there's a celebration or a national month that's that's happening, like we want to celebrate this, you know, let's say like pride comes for, to, to mind or what have you, or uh, even Juneteenth was a great example. 
Uh, and it seems like, you know, some of these companies, they're sending, you know, someone into Canva to make a quick update to cut, change that color scheme or what have you. I, I, I guess from your, 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 your vantage point, how can, you know, organizations, how can companies like from a leadership perspective or what have you maybe really improve like with respect to diversity, equity, justice, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, because I find like things feel like face value. Things feel like, oh, we're going to just make a Juneteenth ice cream. And then it's not even the Juneteenth colors because it was his <laughs> own flag. It was just like Pan-African colors. And it was like, look, just say it was flavor fo- focused. So so tell, so tell me about that. I know there was a lot to digest there. But tell me about that. <laughs> well, I think you're right on point. Um, I think for the conversation, it's really about intentionality. It's really about going beyond the surface. Yes, I I know all too well how changing the color, adding a flag or or doing something feels like you're really doing something. Uh, It feels like you're at least creating some awareness. But the reality is that visibility and representation have have to be present and intentional in the conversation. If you're really going to elevate Juneteenth, if you're going to elevate pride, if you're going to talk about Hispanic Heritage Month um, in September, look at who you have in your organization that is representative of that culture and elevate them through the work that they're doing. Yeah. So acknowledge with intention the people that bring whatever it is that they bring to the table as an asset and elevate the output of what they do. Don't, don't, don't blanket statement. Don't, don't just say all of these things and also acknowledge that even though we're celebrating something there, none of it is a monolith Mm -hmm. within every community there. There's a lot of diversity. So what we've done at HKS is, Yes, we change the colors and we add the stuff. But for example, if we have a if you have a fireside chat, which is firm wide, that we we share with our thirteen hundred plus employees, in lieu of saying, "Oh, this is what happens," this is Hispanic heritage, and then try to create a amalgam of everybody that does this work, is no. Let's bring up the people that are leading. A practice that are that can speak through their identity about the work that they're doing. Let's yeah. represent them. Let's create visibility to who is there, so that others can see the variety and the diversity that we have at the table. So for me, it's more. It's really about being intentional in the outcome, not yeah. the intent and the input or what we're doing. Just think about what you want other people to receive from that information. What is it that you want to create? What is it the environment that you want to create? And it's for me, it's all about people. Who are you elevating? Why are you elevating them? What is the narrative? What is it that you want other people to listen um, about from that person? And what is their contribution or the community's contribution to the work that you're doing as an output? Legit. Totally legit. And whenever I hear, you know, people mention, and this is a word that flies around a lot, especially in fundraising and in impact. Well, impact is the word, right? And it's just like, all right, cool, I guess. And you you don't want to kill it because some people do mean it with the right intention, you know, of, okay, this is something that's there, but others have this impression that it's uh, it's a way to procrastinate. 
And I think when we start talking about impact and when you're dealing with with people, right, it's it's hard to put profits because us ultimately what they mean, you know, how can I turn this into a dollar amount? What's the ROI on it? That's the impact a lot of places are talking about. I think when you're dealing with people and you're servicing people or what have you, like doing this podcast for sake of argument, the, the chief goal is to try to like just boost people up, get to know, get to know people, get to know what people are doing that, you know, are diverse and have different things going, going on and diverse in the literal sense, not in the, eh, well, we have a one gay person here and, you know, different white chick there, but like in a true sense. And, but then people ask about, so what's the impact? How many, it's like, I don't think we're doing analytics to that level. I don't think we're, you know, certain, certain fields are deprecated, you know, <laughs> like in higher ed, you know, the data that I'm working with, gender is a field that's deprecated. We cannot use that anymore. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we take oh. it out of reporting. And because, oh. but I was like, well, I was in the end with, you know, and it's like, I, I, I get to a spot and I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm ranting and, I, but I think this is baked into maybe my position and how I approach certain things. It's just like, I don't trust institutions at times when you have that data. It's like, why do you need it? Why do you need to know like certain data based on zip code? You know what I mean? Like, oh, well, we know that this zip code has a concentrated number of, let's say, black folk or what have you. Well, we're not really hiring out of that zip code. It can't say it's because of race. It's like, oh, we're not really looking at that zip code right now. And, you know, you can just kind of, that's, I do data and it's just what I see. <laughs> and, it's it's odd, but I think, you know, sometimes you can jump to that and you just kind of look under the hood from that perspective, from an organization perspective. But I think you need to see the other side of it when you're actually in the office, when you're in that environment, and you're seeing, are they truly celebrating our differences, highlighting our differences, adding visibility? Because you can kind of tell in the background, you can't control that. You can only control what you see once you're in an environment, I think. So I want to talk about, I want to talk about you, that was really weird way to put it. <laughs> would would you describe yourself as a a curious person? Um, are you looking for answers? Are you looking for better questions? And and how does that like serve your current work? I love that question. Even better how you worded the the previous question. Yes, I've been a curious person since I can remember. I think in part that's why. I was drawn to psychology and theology and genetics it's because I want always to get to the root cause of something, or I want to get to the root understanding of something. And I know when I did my Gallup or Clifton Gallup strengths, um, context is one of my top four. I love understanding the why behind all of those conversations. I want to understand the mindset and how that relates to the behaviors. And that's all about curiosity. I want to understand myself as much as I want to understand somebody else. And I really want to understand myself. So I really want to understand everybody else. And I think it's in in that curiosity and in, in asking those questions and wanting to be very empathetic to sure. what everybody's experience is. Also, because I want the same the same for me, right? The golden yeah. rule. I, I want others to do uh, unto me as I would do to myself. But the platinum room to, for me is even more important. Do unto others how they want to be treated. Um, I think both of those things are very core to what I do and how I do it. That's why I love architecture too. Yeah. Architecture is about problem solving for somebody else. It's not my building. 
It's not what I am creating to live in most of the, actually never. Um, it's about the space that I create for somebody else or an organization or a group or a people. I need to understand their needs. I need to understand how they thrive. I need to understand how they want to exist in the world. And that requires the utmost curiosity. Yes. Because you want to get at the nuances, not the everyday, not the blanket statements, not the big, um, the, the things that we see every day. It's what are the things that we see, as you said, under the hood. To really look into the nuances of our experiences that do truly inform how our our mindset shift that then become those behaviors that we see on the day-to-day basis. I can't imagine. I, I imagine, yes. I imagine <laughs> that there are architects that are not terribly curious. I feel, and I would hope, that the best designers, the best architects, the best creators are the most curious people. Yep. I have seen that in the past. So I hope, I hope that is true always. But I think at the core of creativity, there has to be just constant curiosity to strive for better, to be better for other people. And um, I love doing that. And whether it's architecture or the work that I'm doing or talking or or presenting or creating a program for somebody else, yeah. I, I want it to all be rooted in curiosity. To me, Jedi is about curiosity. Elevating equity is about curiosity. Really talking about diversity is curiosity. And that's what I love your question. I may have to take it and, oh, and share do. it elsewhere. Please do. Please do. You know, uh, and, and thank you for that. Uh, I'm a very uh, curious individual, too. And looking at like, what is that? What's the, how, how granular can we get here? What's that? What's the bedrock here? How can we get down there? And I, I remember I had a buddy who moved up into a higher role in his job and he had a he had a um, a uh, superior or person that was he was reporting to that was like, it's not about the how it's about the why. And I was like, he's messing with you. I was like, you can't just start a new job. And it's like, look, I need direction. Tell me what to do. I was like, he's trolling you. And I was like, but everything is always when you're in a leadership position, I think it's always about the why. And then the how is for the people that you're working with to kind of figure it out. If you're in that role, it's like strategy, 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 critical thinking. Um, yeah, that's my two cents there. Um, so when you're in power, right? <laughs> Cause you're, you're going to take over the world and you know, I can see it. I can see it. Uh, what is what is the one change if you because it, it can only be one you know what is one change you want to see in your industry in my industry oh my gosh um right on point more curiosity mm. more more true acknowledgement of what it is that um my what i would like to see in the industry change or advance is more, I don't want to say, but really more curiosity, more questioning mm -hmm. of where we are today to acknowledge where we want to get to. Um, I was presenting, I developed a panel with HKS and somebody today was sharing that in order for us to really build greater equity, in acknowledgement of the diversity that exists in the world, we have to do professional innovation. Mm -hmm. And that for me means not only at a personal level or a professional level, that we need to 
really look at where we are today and what we are doing and consistently question what we are doing through the lens of the systems that are in place. So for architecture, I would love all architects to question what we have been doing for decades, Mm -hmm. why we have been doing those things for decades. And as you said, be more curious. I think some of us in the industry get used to this is how it's always been and i know every profession is the same we've all all, you know this is how we've been doing it for decades this is what we've been doing well not only that why have we been doing that that way for decades what has worked and what has not and let's take the best of what we have done and move that forward And take the things that we know have not worked, have disadvantaged other people, have held us back as a profession, even because we're very disproportionately um, placed right now with our demographics. What have we been doing wrong? And then make an intentional move to change that direction. But also that's on the personal level, on the professional level. But I think as as a profession that builds the, the is is responsible for the health, safety, and welfare of people, really take that seriously. Really think about the responsibility that we have for everybody's health, wellness, and safety in this world. We're responsible for every space that they go into. We're responsible for how we connect those spaces, how we provide that access. If I think if we all adopted that as, as an oath, like, we do. But if you took that seriously, that every line that you draw, everything that you spec impacts somebody somewhere, maybe even multiple times throughout their life, I think it would, we we could create together something more meaningful that could move us forward much, much faster than we have um, in the last few years. Thank you. Thank you for that. That's That's great. So here's the last real question. And then we got some rapid fire questions because even even you can't get away from this. You have to get the rapid fire questions as well. (laughs) Uh, So I I, I like to ask people about obstacles. And um, I I remember this quote uh, from uh, George Frazier about like obstacles. I take those like vitamins. I eat them every day. So how do you approach obstacles? And what is one obstacle that comes to mind that's been like super impactful um, to your to your career, whether it's something that kind of like held you up early on, or if it was something that kind of like you know once I got past that, my career really took off. Tell me about that. Oh, that's a really good question. Uh, I I definitely operate very differently now than I used to when when faced with a challenge or an obstacle. Um, I would say about ten years ago, maybe ish, uh, when I was starting out more so in my career. Something that I look back on now and recognize that I it was an obstacle that I could have seen differently was part of carrying my colonized mentality mm. from Puerto Rico here and not seeing all of what I brought to the table as an asset. Um, when clients made comments about my, somebody's accent, not my accent, made comments about an accent as less than when the recession happened and I started seeing a lot of people of color get laid off 
And I'm told with the best intentions, please keep your head down, don't make a fuss, do your work, and you will continue moving forward. You will do great. You're great. And I, from the lens of the person that was trying to be very nurturing and encouraging, I know what they were trying to say. Sure. And I know what the intent was. What I heard at that moment was minimize, was, was do the best that you can of service to this moment. But what I saw and I heard, unfortunately, and I know this person didn't mean it, is don't be too loud. Don't make a fuss. Don't don't be you. And I know that's not what this person was trying to say. But at that moment, because I grew up in Puerto Rico, I grew up with the idea that, you know, America, It I grew up with a lot of ideas around being in a colony of the U.S. that made me feel like I needed to not be as exuberant, I guess, mm-hmm. as as some may say. And I put myself in a box and I concentrated on the work. I, I missed out on a lot of opportunities. I questioned who I was and my goals. But I thought, if I just do this work, if I just sit in front of the computer and do this work, I, I will get where I need to get to and I won't lose my job and I won't do these things. And it wasn't until... I started to notice things that really bothered me about the industry, how we talk about leadership, but we don't talk about succession planning, how we talk about leadership, and we don't include emerging professionals in path to leadership. And we pull them, we pull them up or we help push them up that mountain. And I went to my, my now one of my bosses and the person that hired me at HKS. And I, I told them, I'm really upset that I don't see a space where we are inspired to stay in the profession, to really persevere through. And he said, well, I see a lot of fire. I don't know how to, how to help that, but I can try to help you channel it. And I, I will give you what my assets are. I'm good at this and this and this. I will help you do that. And I will support you in doing whatever it is that I see you have a fire for. And it was the first time that I heard somebody say, I see you. I want to help you. I recognize what I can give you, but this is on you. And it gave me autonomy. It it built trust. It made me feel like I had something to say and that the person that was with me at that moment saw that value that and was willing to share social capital for me to do that work. And from that moment on, I was more comfortable asking for forgiveness than asking for permission. But I still struggle a little bit with going back to that colonized mentality, going back to, but, you know, are they reacting because of my accent? They're reacting because I'm a woman. Are they reacting because I'm LGBTQIA? Should I say this? Should I not say this? And I have to move that aside. And I think it was my own fear of not showing up authentically and what that would mean for other people that helped me back. I really think about it now. And I, of course, and I can attribute it to several situations where things like that happened, but it was also my fear in, in tackling that. And now I try to be a little bit more fearless and I, and I try to learn from the mistake and move on which I did not do very well when I was growing up. Well, thank you for, for sharing that with us. I think uh, it's, good. it's a lot to to take from that that's applicable to like various careers. And I'm even 
you know, like looking at my own experiences and like, yeah, I see that. It's like, yeah, you should be, you should be smaller. It's like, look, I can't help it that I'm six fours or I find that, you know, I'll sit down when I talk to certain people because I've gotten the, on a performance review, oh, you're, you're intimidating. It's like, cause I'm smarter than you. It's, it's the reason, but go on. <laughs> and, but, and also I'm a dick. So it's, it's, it's that too, you know, it's just, well, um, so that's kind of the end of the real question. So I want to hit you with these rapid fire questions really quickly. One of them is trolly. I'm telling you it's trolly. I'm letting you know now. So it's fine. Uh, so, you know, don't overthink these. Try to answer these as quickly as possible. Uh, what's your phone background? What's your current phone background? My current phone background? Yeah, like you're like you're the screen when you open your phone. It's like, uh, like I have a picture of Captain America. No, I don't, but... I have a photo of one of my favorite vacations in it's it's actually I want to describe it because it's pretty cool. It's in Porto mm-hmm. in Portugal. And we were given this ridiculously amazing suite in this hotel that used to be a bank. We're right behind the vault. And I'm sitting, I'm not actually in the bath, but I'm sitting in the bathtub with a bottle, with a glass of the most amazing port wine. And I'm looking at my wife that's sitting on her favorite chair, the Eames chair, (laughs) as we're looking out onto the garden. So that's my background. Nice. What is something that people just... What I like minimal conversation when it like they first interact with you early on. What is something that people assume that you know a lot about? Ooh, that's a really good question. I have been told that I sound like a know it all, so maybe people think that I think I know it all, Um, but I don't know. I hope they. (laughs) That might be an Aquarius trait right there. (laughs) I'm close. I'm close. I'm actually at the end of Capricorn, but a very very end. So maybe. I I hope that people think that I I know enough about architecture that I know enough about um, how to help other people get to where they need to get to, and I I hope that people think that I know a lot about um, how to be a good friend and a good empath. I dig it. I'm, you know, I'm at the very end as well, I, January twentieth. So I mean, we're in the same boat. We're, we're right there. Yeah. Seventeen. Yeah. Seventeen. Uh, you're cusp. You're cusp. We, we, you know, I we're in the same. Cusper. We're in the same lane. We're in the same lane. You know, that's why I said that thing I said earlier. Like, because you know, Capricorns were petty. We could be a little petty. Uh, mm-hmm. What is your favorite design city? Like, you know, city for their design, their architecture. What's something that really like pops for you? Well, I have two, okay. but uh, I think most everybody. Well, not most everybody, but a lot of people say Barcelona, but. Uh, my favorite city, um, I had a summer abroad um, time there, is Vienna in Austria. And not only do I love Vienna because of the history, from starting from a Gothic nucleus that expanded out, which I think is beautiful. I love Gothic medieval cities are my favorite thing. Those organic spaces, those meandering paths and medieval castle city, I'm obsessed. But what I love about Vienna in addition to having a beautiful infrastructure, public transportation is free. The museums, the the Hall of Arts, like art is so embedded in the culture and it's so accessible that it feels like it's constant history and culture and current and contemporary just meshed together, blended together all the time and so accessible that it is there for you all the time. 
And there's so much history with it. And of course, I love Milaj. I love their coffee. <laughs> nice. All right, two more, two more. Uh, a nickname when you were younger. Uh, two names. One was because I had a I had a poodle, <laughs> um, a very very barky, loud little poodle, Gigi, and um, another one in architecture school, Cuckoo, because of a song of "Move Your Cuckoo When You're Dancing," which you can't see me, but it would make more sense if you were there in person. So I had two, but my mother actually loved the name that she gave me, so she refused to acknowledge any nicknames. So it's always been Giselle. All right. Thank you. Last one. Yes. Name a Jedi. Obi-Wan Kenobi. All right. I was cheating, but all right, fair enough. <laughs> so 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 that's that's it. You, you I feel like that was a little that was a little cheaty, but it's fine. I feel like a lot of Disney Plus was watched. I don't know. Well, uh, I didn't know if Lucasfilms is listening, they trademark the name. Um if I want to name um, a leader in justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. I think Brian C. Lee is one of my favorites. The, the, he brings a ton of passion that I, I I really enjoy listening to. Well, there you have it. Um, so that's it for all of my questions. Um, so I want to thank you for being on this podcast. And two, I want to invite and encourage you to tell the fine folks where to check you out, um, social media or whatever you want to share in the last moments we have here. The floor is yours. For me, okay. Well, where can you find me? You can find me barely everywhere. Um, I'm all <laughs> um, the things that I I think for me. If you really want to find me, I would love for for anybody to look at our HKS website. Look at the work that we're doing around diversity and equity, and join in this in this movement. Join in this journey. Um, join us as a consultant, as a partner, as somebody that wants to work with us and, and also help us create a better built environment. We have a phenomenal website called esg.hksinc.com that has our commitments that we've made to the world very transparently, our progress, and it shares some of the work that we're doing in aligning with our public interest design work and sustainability. Um, follow follow us, follow HKS Architects, and follow, follow the work that we've been doing through the lens of justice, equity, diversity, inclusion, and in support of the UN Global Compact. If you wanna follow me um, at Giselle Santos at Twitter, at Giselle Storytells in Instagram and Giselle Santo Rivera, because I love my full name at LinkedIn. Um, and I, if you can also look a little bit into Wield Your Story, which is our platform to encourage um, anybody right now to elevate their voice through their career pinch points and challenges and really talk about success through that lens. And inspire everybody else that comes after you. Lift a rising tide lifts all boats. Let's lift all us up together. So there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Giselle Santos Rivera for coming on to the podcast. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there is community, culture, diversity, all of the great things, justice in and around Baltimore. You just gotta look for it. <laughs>